for one critical difference. The hinges were old and worn, and rust lurked inside every crevice, causing the gate to squeal loudly whenever it opened or closed. If the children were to get through the second gate unobserved, a moment of celebration would be in order, but not for long. They'd be in a small hallway that offered three ways to get upstairs, the main elevator, the movements of which were constantly watched by security cameras, the stairwell, which required a key for re-entry at every floor, and a door that led to a freight elevator, which was typically, conveniently, out of service every June 2nd. Regardless of how they entered the eighth floor, the children would have to pass through the heavily guarded main atrium where the evening's events were being held. There were no cameras on the eighth floor, but a guard sat at a desk near the center of the floor, with a view in every direction, for it was critical, absolutely critical, that what took place in the small auditorium at the far end of the hall not be interrupted. If the children did miraculously make it by the guards, they'd have to slip into the back of the room without being noticed. And then, of course, they'd have to find their way back. Getting caught on the way down would be as bad as getting caught on the way up, maybe worse. Rumor had it that only one child had ever made it all the way up, but he was caught in the stairwell on the way back. He was whipped repeatedly, four lashes on his back for each of the three rules he broke, curfew, stealing a key and lying, and the children had been able to hear his cries through the vents in the wall. He'd never returned to the wing, and no one was brave enough to ask why. Was it worth it? Not for most kids. But then, just like June 2nd wasn't like most days, Jack wasn't like most kids. It wasn't just that he was quieter and less playful than the other twelve-year-olds. It wasn't just that he was one of the few who hadn't been born there. His mother had brought him to Frank's when he was two, the oldest age children were allowed to come in from the outside. No, what made Jack different was his careful study of those around him. He noticed things, not just what people said, but the way they said them and the way people responded. He noticed the different patterns that each mother swept in the sand and how the second gate didn't squeak as much when you lifted up a little as you pushed. He noticed how at least once a week, Mother Dina sobbed quietly by herself in the back of the cafeteria when she thought no one was watching. What made Jack different was that he knew that whatever happened upstairs every year on June 2nd was the reason that his mother his real mother, not the glassy-eyed women who smiled and called him son, had disappeared two years earlier. What made him different was that despite all of the reasons that he couldn't and shouldn't try to get upstairs to find out what happened to her, he knew that he could and that he would. Was it worth it? Of course it was. Chapter 2 Now before Emily Lindsay, I would have said that the line between a person who murders and one who does not should be heavy, thick, defined, and resolute, that the deliberate act of taking another person's life should separate you quite firmly from all the rest. Before Emily, I might have said that people's dreams and nightmares were theirs and theirs alone, that no matter how terrible or terrifying, ridiculous or absurd, dangerous or inappropriately erotic, Dreams were, at the very least, private, personal. I may even have said that people can surprise you only as much as you let them. 
and that you can know almost everything you need to know about a person if you get one good, solid look into their eyes. But again, that was before Emily Lindsay. Before Emily, I would have said a lot of things. I've never told anyone about what happens in the prison nightmare. It's simply not the kind of dream you talk about in detail. You might tell someone about the dream where you die during sex, or lose all your teeth, or piss in a cup on the subway and leave it beneath the seat. Dreams are ridiculous and weird, but for the most part, they're allowed. That can't be said for the prison dream. It's not so much the fact that I kill somebody in the dream, or that I don't know who I've killed or why I've done it. It's the fact that I do it so often. I've had the dream at least a couple of times a week for as long as I can remember. I'm trapped in a small gated room, the smell of mildew and standing water so strong it curdles.